Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Whatever time you listen to us, we are so thankful that you do, and you are listening to another youth ministry podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Board of Youth and Young Adults of the Bible Fellowship Church. Another youth ministry podcast strives to refocus, recapture, and realign student ministry with a grace-filled and gospel-focused vision. I am one of your hosts, Chris, and I am joined, as almost always, by my co-host, Tim and Jared. When when he wrapped up there, I thought he was going to break out and do a rap. Yeah. Like it was building. But I just want to clarify that you were the one that's sometimes always, I'm always here. Totally fine. Yeah. And that you're always, always. Like always, if always. Chris isn't here. That's true. I've been here even uh-huh. when Chris isn't here. That's right. So just want to put that out there. That's right. Totally fine. That's true. Not to brag or it's okay. scratch my own back. But see, I'm like an employee that takes a vacation time. Tim is like that employee that needs a sabbatical every other month. So, <laughs> from this, from this, <laughs> from this. I'm not taking sabbatical. We were we were joking in staff meeting the other day, sabbaticals. Oh and, yeah. Uh, someone said, "Oh, like we can take a sabbatical every uh, every six days." And our HR guy was like, "Yeah, it's a day sabbatical. Yeah, it's, just, <laughs> it's a day off. It's, it's your day off. That's right. Amen." Well, anyway, uh, we are. Into our third of three episodes on limited atonement. So if you made it here, we just want to congratulate you. Like, do yeah, there's a little clap. I was wondering, do we have a little sound that does no, the cheering? We, we only have, we have limited space on it's, our sound. We, I wonder if you, you in that moment, we were looking for the wah, wah, or that. That's fine, or too. The, oh, you were for this? Yeah. <laughs> This is a. These are very important things to discuss. Yes. But it, <laughs> well, we have to have fun with it. This is very in depth. We're in. We're in youth ministry. Yeah. We were in youth ministry. That's right. Yeah, most of us are. And we love kids. Yeah, that's right. And I still love kids. So don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, may or may this not is, love kids. This I, is this is going downhill fast. That's Let's, okay. That's okay. I was just going to say this morning. I'm driving the. I'm driving a bunch of little guys under the age of nine to a camp for day camp. And I was like, so I used to drive youth students all around, and now I'm driving little guys. Like, there you go. What's going on here? You got promoted. Yeah, that's right. That's what they told you. Van driver. <laughs> the van driver. <laughs> pastor of van driving. <laughs> As well there's done. A, there's a staff position where a pastor of fun. Like, that's the title. Pastor of fun. Pastor of fun. Where? Yeah. Where is it? I don't know where. It, uh, also online, someone posted about it, but... <laughs> Like that's, God, that's the dream job. Right God has given me the gift of fun, <laughs> of fun. bringing pe- fun I, to people. That's right. Hey, amen. Well, we have limited time, and uh, we true. should talk about limited, limited atonement. atonement. <laughs> we don't want to have too much fun, so keep going. <laughs> All right. So, if you've made it with us thus far, or if you haven't, um, we'll do a little short minute recap. But uh, if you uh, really have not uh, listened to the last two episodes, we would strongly encourage that you do. The first episode, uh, we we defined limited atonement um, and, uh, you know, kind of why we were going there. Um, and one definition that we used, which is probably the most helpful, is by a guy named Louis Burkhoff. And he says that limited atonement, the reform position, is that Christ died for the purpose of actually and certainly saving the elect and the elect only. And we discussed how both the universal view of the atonement that Christ died, his intention was to die for the sins of everybody. And the limited view of the atonement, which Jared reminded us the better name for that is particular mm-hmm. atonement or particular redemption, that he died only for the sins of his elect, his people that he chose to save. Both sides limit the atonement. 
the universal atonement limits it in its power, its efficacy, its ability, meaning that if Christ dies for you, so what? The only way mm. that you get that benefit is you got to trust him, um, which in experience is true. Yeah. But but in actuality, we believe that Christ's cross actually accomplished the salvation of his people and then therefore guarantees their faith, secures their faith, etc. So then we went into scripture in the next episode and uh, we expounded on it from 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 scripture, which is what I just said. But uh, so this episode, what we want to do is deal with a lot of the main objections um, to limited atonement, to particular redemption. And uh, if, for your ministry and how this relates, um, I find that limited atonement and the discussions of election that kind of go hand in hand here um, are students love to hear and talk about the rebuttals and like the and how do we defend this or what are the objections and discuss it with them. So what we I, I think this episode will be helpful for you if you decide to that you're going to teach your students um, this doctrine at some point. This might be a good resource for you to use to help them engage the scriptures and to have good discussion. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, on that note, we want to thank uh, Dr. James Anderson from RTS for a lot of these points that we're going to talk about. We may or may not quote uh, some of the things he said, but he's giving us a lot of framework. Uh, Chris is taking a class from took a class from him, and so that's where we're kind of getting this um, source material. Obviously, we're applying our own yeah, understanding to it, but yeah. And no. To also be fair, he's the lecturing professor and was not the professor of record, so he does not know who I am from Adam. So yeah. <laughs> we're just d- taking in a good faith that they're okay with us doing this. So yeah, yeah. if you want to report us to RTS, and RTS it. is Reformed Theological Seminary. Yes. Yep. So yeah, all, all the objections that were were li- are listed are from him, um, and the, a lot of the rebuttal material is as well. So without further ado, why don't we get into some of these objections with like Tim talked about that students like to hear answers to objections, yep. more than likely most of them have these objections or their parents uh-huh. do. Um, you know, in our day and age, maybe kids haven't even thought about it, but they will they, they will have these objections if they haven't thought about them yet. So it's good to yeah. answer them. So Yeah, I mean, one of the first ones comes right out of the most popular verse in the Bible, John yeah. 3.16, uh, which says God died, you know, God loved the whole world, right? And anyone who believes will be saved. And so what does that mean, Chris, if we say the world? Like when I think of the world and maybe most people think of the world, they think the whole world. Everything. Everything. Yeah. All people, all time. Yeah. Uh, is that what this verse is is talking about? No, I don't think so. Um and that even goes hand in hand with uh, another text, John one twenty nine, um, where John the Baptist said of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Mm-hmm. One of John's main themes in his gospel is to show that Jesus' gospel yep. is not just for the Jews, it's for the Samaritans and for the Gentiles. Um he heals them uh when he went to the woman of Samaria in John chapter four, that was a big deal. And so world rarely, if ever, in God in John's gospel and in other parts of the Bible, rarely, if ever, means all who ever lived. Uh, That's not usually what the biblical writer is talking about. It commonly talks about the fallen universe, fallen mankind as a whole. Um, And then also John talks about it in his gospel, in in the context of what he writes, to talk about the nations um, beyond the Jews, because Jesus was the Jewish Messiah, and his one of his points was to communicate he is for all people, which we see big time in uh, John chapter 4 when he goes to the uh, woman of Samaria, uh, because it's like, whoa, you're including the Samaritans. Wow. So I, I, I think that that's, that's pretty 
simple one, as you read through the Gospel of John, in its context, world does not mean every person who ever lived. And also, when you're talking about, you know, systematic theology and theology in general, like, it's all of God's Word, you need to take it in. And later on in the book of John, when he's Jesus is talking about his fold and his his, his, his flock, it's yeah. specific that yep. he knows them, yes, who he, they are. He They're, knows them and they know him, then they hear his so voice. So, we got to take all of John. Yes. Yeah, and just and just to be clear, though, just so we don't soften what John is saying mm-hmm. in John three sixteen and John one twenty nine, what they are communicating is this is the only savior for anyone that's who right would trust in him. Mm-hmm. So those who believe in limited atonement, we do not at all believe that that God ever turns a genuine repentant that's sinner right. away. But what it's saying is this is the one yeah. that any person in the whole world, if they trust in him, they will be saved. Let's take it a step further. In First John two two, it says his propitiation for our sins, and not only our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Yeah, that one's a little more challenging because propitiation literally means to <clears throat> to to make atonement that turns away wrath and satisfies wrath. Yep. Yeah. So it's literally saying, "Whoa, Jesus's blood, his sacrifice, satisfied the wrath of God for this for the sins of us and the whole world." Well, first and foremost, it's one thing that Dr. Anderson points out is that this this proves too much if you if you take it to mean he actually satisfied the wrath of God for every sinner who's ever lived because what does that mean? There's no more wrath for God to have towards anybody. Yeah. Well, we know from the rest of Scripture, to Tim's point, systematic theology, that God is going to punish unrepentant right. sinners in a lake of fire for all eternity, and we also know that God is just. So he wouldn't do that. John is not a universalist. Again, John does not usually use the word world to mean every person who ever lived. It's the same author of the gospel. And John's primary, those who are lists or that John's writing to, rather, are probably mostly Jewish believers. And so he's emphasizing, look— my Jewish brothers, Jesus died and made propitiation not only for our sins, the Jews who would believe in him, but also for the sins of all those who believe in him from the world. That's kind of, it's kind of implied. Um, so anyway, if if you uh, if if John was trying to make some kind of universal redemption point, it would it would actually undermine the point he's making because because he, he's trying to drive assurance of salvation that if Jesus atoned for your sins. In this context, you ought to be assured that you're saved. That would completely, if it was, if he atoned for everyone's sins, that would completely undermine his point. Because then, what he'd be saying is, "Hey, Jesus atoned for every person who ever lived sins, so therefore you should have assurance." Well, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> that means I shouldn't have assurance, right? right. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, Tim, since uh, this comes from First Timothy, <laughs> two, oh yeah, six. you. If, <laughs> well, I figure we better go to you for this. Um, it states in, in that verse that Christ gave himself as a ransom for all. And when we read the Bible, typically we, we can say all means all. Does all mean all? No. All, all carries the sense of all without distinction, not all without exception. People from all kinds of back, backgrounds. and Yeah, ethnicities. Because we, what we have to understand in, as we read the Bible, is we're 2,000 years removed from it. And for order to properly understand it, we have to understand the context within which it was written. A lot of people, you know, First Timothy's written to a, a half-Jewish young pastor. What the, a lot of the biblical writers try to communicate when they use big words like all, whole world, is that this is a universal savior. This is the only one for people from Ethiopia, from Macedonia, from Tarsus, mm. from um, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, Asia Minor, 
and Israel. He is the Savior for them all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very important to, yep. to recognize. And, and that, that that's, it's all without distinction. I, ju- without I just want to point out something in context, too, is earlier, 2.4, uh, 1 Timothy 2.4, it says, um, I, I found this, this objection's not in our notes, but it's closely in context with this verse, where it says, you know, who desires, God, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I've mm-hmm. heard that people say, well, you know, he desires that all Thank you, would, Windows. would be saved. <laughs> it was Lagos. And, and, uh, and <laughs> Thank you, Lagos. I just want to mention that that's actually, you know, that's a, that's scriptural and biblical, that God desires that all would be saved, yeah. but he accomplishes that in his elect. You know, we said that and we've read the BFC's doctrine on salvation, yeah. um, but I, wanted, I just wanted to jump in right before that to, you know, make sure we also know that we take all scripture for what it says. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Well, you see the same kind of argument out of uh, 1 Timothy 4.10, Right, Christ, uh, that God is the Savior of all people, but then he continues, especially for those who believe. So again, we get that all people. Yeah, that that text, I think, actually proves the point of particular redemption. Um, what he's saying is, Jesus is the Savior for all, every single person, as far as, what, regardless of their background, their ethnicity, their financial status, whatever. But then he, you know, so Jesus is the only one that can save any of them. But then he says, especially he is the savior for those who believe, you know, limiting the scope. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I, I think that's the same kind of, that's the same kind of context. I, I think a helpful thing is something that my, my pastor from Colorado said that I thought was very helpful. When, whenever we write, and we do this ourselves when we text, when we on social media, when we write papers, what have you, the word all can mean some at times, right? It, 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 like, you know, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head and, and, and I can't, you know, but it, it kind of be like, it's like, you always do this or, you know, all your clothes are wrinkled or, you know, okay, you might have some that are not, but what, what that means is a lot of them. Um, but some cannot ever mean all. So all can sometimes carry the sense of most or some, it can be limited, but the word some can never mean all. And there are times, many points in scripture, we, sh- we showed this in the last episode, that God does limit the scope of his son's death for us. So these other times, we, we have to take them in, the, in their context, and it appears as if most of them do not, or if all of them do not point to a universal redemption. The most difficult, challenging objection comes from 2 Peter 2.1 which implies that Jesus died for false teachers and apostates. It's talking about false teachers arising among you, bringing destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. Is that speaking to Jesus being the master who bought them with this redemption or atonement? Yeah, that's a, that actually Dr. Anderson in his notes acknowledges that um, as the most direct and probably challenging objection to particular redemption. Uh, one of the things that he that that he brings out um, is it is very unlikely that that in that context Peter is talking about Christ's redemptive purpose um, because that that's something very important. Whenever you're whenever you're taking doctrine from the scriptures, you have to you have to make sure that the author, the human author of that text, is actually talking about that doctrine in that context. Um, that or usually that's the case, and in this case, he's not talking about he's not trying to he's not trying to make any sort of 
theological statement about the atonement. So the word master and the word bought, and I, even in the Greek, it could be rendered like master, sovereign Lord, it, you know, versus when you think of Jesus as the master of the disciples, bought can be general as in ownership. And so it could be, you know, that they've, they've denied the, the sovereign Lord who owns them. And that could be in the sense of as a creator, but even, even more uh, of an issue with that, if this means that he actually died for their sins and purchased them. Again, just like a, the one of the previous texts we talked about, it proves too much then. What you're saying is that Christ can purchase someone, yep. s- secure their salvation, is what other texts tell us, his death secures salvation, and then lose them. Yep. And that... And and that goes directly against a more explicit text where he says in John 10 that he will never lose his sheep, that yep. the Father has given him. So it, it is a tough text. We'll be very honest about that, but you don't build theology on one text of Scripture. Yep. And um, and so anyway, I think it's very important to point that out, that, um, that there's a major theological problem with that objection, that what you're saying then is there are false teachers who actually commit apostasy that Jesus satisfied the wrath of God for. Yeah. It, that's just well, you think even this, the the text saying the master, not their master, right? So it gives it a general, generic sense to it, rather than like their master would right. be. Give the context of like, and it's Jesus. And I think master. I think Thomas Schreiner um, kind of says that the these are people who were everyone believed. Christ had purchased. These are people that lived lives at one point. They, they paraded themselves, carried themselves as Christians, as those who he did die for. So from a human perspective, it's saying you are trampling on what you, you're saying Jesus did for you. Yeah. So we can understand it that way as well. Yeah, because it does say there arose among the people just as false teachers will, yeah. will rise among you. So they thought they were believers walking with Jesus. So... Um, another objection, if you know, if you believe limited atonement, it means that we can't confidently say to anyone, Jesus died for you. Yeah, that's a big one. So we kind of, I believe according to our notes, yeah, we've kind of wrapped up a lot of the text, but that's a big application. And I think that's where students are going to more care about that issue um, and, and parents as well, that, hey, that means that you can't, you can't actually offer the gospel in good conscience to someone. But there's a really good, I think there's a really good point in that. If you read the New Testament and yep. all the different accounts with the apostles preaching the gospel to non-believers, they never tell them Jesus died for you. Yep. You know, it's interesting. I was um, a couple weeks ago. Our church did a vacation Bible school, and um, I was I was in doing the closing. And you know, these things are written out, and they're so generic. Um, we used a curriculum; was very generic. Um, wasn't wasn't terrible, um, but I just remember I had to kind of fix a lot of the closing program because it just kept you know it was funny it was like i we were joking the pastor my lead pastor and i were saying is like yeah all right kids you came to vbs now you're saved like <laughs> that's kind of how it was written yeah, it's like right. the kids leave the week and they go out like wow i just found out that i have eternal life and i have power in jesus right and i i had to kind of rework some mm-hmm. of the language because it was it was it was wrong it was straight up wrong but again this i think it's because many times as people we you know we want to get emotional and feely so we want to make it personal so hey jared jesus died 
just for you. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. I feel so special now. But, and, and so I think that's where this comes. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're but you got to remember, like, we're not, we're not, we're not God. And um, he had a plan. He is sovereign. So anyway. Well, what's interesting is the way that the Bible uses that terminology, Jesus died for you, is to always provide assurance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And so you so you should not confidently to say to anyone, Jesus died for you. And because then you could give them false assurance because that... I really think that in, in the evangelical world, we've lost what it means to hear the words, Jesus died for me. Mm. Um, and so I think that's 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 very, very important. Well, what can we say instead? Yeah. Um, so I, I, think, I think what we can say instead is if you repent of your sin and you trust in Jesus Christ, you, will, right. you will be saved. Mm-hmm. That's a promise that scripture makes. Yeah. Application to youth ministry here. Um, some of us that may be listening, and when I was younger in my ministry, I found as I started to deal with um, the doctrine of limited atonement and election that it's very important that you know how to speak when you're evangelizing, when you're giving the gospel to your students, when it comes out, that your language needs to be edited. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my encouragement to our listeners is, you know, when you're proclaiming the gospel and you're speaking within the boundaries of election and atonement that you work on things like Jesus died so that sinners like you and me, right. dot, dot, dot. So just a little application. Yeah. And you might, you know, I, I I say to my children, you know, who are five and two or five and three, I mean, Jesus died so that you would have life in his name. And that's mm. true. Yeah. So, that, so, so that you may, mm-hmm. or so that you can have life yeah. in his name. And so... You, terminology is very important it's again i just jump in and this this one kind of is important well they're all important but i think this one is helpful for application this is another thing where why do we think why do so many students and even little kids as they're growing up they all think they're saved right and and they're living crazy lives that are completely unrepentant Mm -hmm. are um and and they they don't they look like an unbeliever because I think when we get this wrong and their whole life they keep hearing, Jesus died for you, Jesus died for you, Jesus died for you. They're like, oh, well, no matter what I do, Jesus died for me and I'm saved. Yeah. Mm. So, if, but if we get it right, we can help students truly understand mm-hmm. the gospel and what it means. All right. Amen. Yeah. One yeah. thing, the other thing in this idea of evangelism, that it gives us a power, a boldness, a confidence to, to share the gospel regardless, because it doesn't rely on our ability. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not a convincing argument that we have to win or pr- produce or provide that's like, oh, if I say the right words in the right way, then they're going to be saved. But it goes back to that idea of election and atonement, that it's God working in them and the Spirit working in their heart to, to change the heart and to regenerate their minds. Well, the, one, of the, one of the other objections we have here is that, you know, the doctrine of particular redemption actually undermines evangelism. And to your point, it doesn't. It actually encourages mm-hmm. it. I can go out there knowing for certain Jesus died for a particular people mm-hmm. and that when I speak to those people, he says in John 10, my sheep hear my voice mm-hmm. and they listen to me. Yeah. Amen. So when I share the word of God with someone that Jesus died for and I share the cross, either that will be a a seed sown or watered, or I will have the pleasure uh, of, of actually harvest. watching them mm-hmm. trust Christ. And that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by no means is this 
at all detract from evangelism, it actually boosts it. So for your students, you know, a lot of times we hear from students when talking about evangelism and encouraging them to share with their friends, they kind of say, well, I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't really know enough. Um, I don't really know how to talk about this. And, um, and many times I would say, I don't think that's, you know, if a student has a true um, conversion exp- uh, moment in their, that they know that they are truly walking with Jesus Christ, like that is enough to share their story with the student. And, and this right here can help them and say, you know, because God goes before you, because God knows those who was saved, because God is working in the hearts of these people, mm-hmm. you can go out with confidence knowing that you may not have the best tact. You may be a little, you may fumble over some of the things, but God has gone before you yeah. and God is sovereign. So mm-hmm. go out boldly. Yeah. yeah. We, I think one of the biggest emphasis here is we, we just want to make much of the gospel, Amen. much of Jesus, and, and actually the power of his death. And I know this is a little tangent, but it, it came to me, it has to do with this, this doctrine, I think it's important. There was a guy I, I worked with, and his son, his, his worker's son years ago had kind of gone off the rails, mm. like 20 years ago. And this guy believed that if you prayed a prayer, you were saved, mm. and it didn't matter. Um, and so I, I asked this guy a question, I said, I said, Charlie... And he's man is in his sixties now. I said, Charlie, are, are you, do you believe that the gospel is not powerful enough to to change somebody and keep them? And he goes, Yes, because he actually had to come to the logical conclusion yep. of what he believed. And if you look at Ephesians chapter five, and again, it's mainly talk about marriage, but Paul makes a connection: Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Not the world, not everyone who ever lived her, that mm. He might sanctify her. Cleanse her, wash her with the word, present her to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Be holy. Like when Jesus dies for you, you change. Your life is transformed. And so when, 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 if you look at someone's life who quote unquote prayed a prayer and they've, there's no change, most likely, at, at least at this point, we don't have confidence that Jesus died for them. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I always like to say that, um, you know, God didn't make a imperfect salvation. He made a complete perfect salvation. That's right. So, start to finish, he, he is sovereign. The sovereignty of God is the biggest thing we want to put forward here. When he starts, he finishes, and amen. he's consistent. If he elected you, he died for you, he saves you, he carries you to the end. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of another Youth Ministry Podcast. Please connect with us on Instagram at anotheryampodcast, or you can email us at anotheryampodcast at gmail.com. See you later.